Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmadbati, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Show and as always I'm your host Atika Madbati. Now I am really happy and delighted to welcome Anna Maria Price on today's uh, show. Now uh, Maria as she likes to be called is a homeopath for the last 10 years or so and has some really interesting stories and some really interesting insights. So I am going to uh, be asking her a number of questions, and it's going to be another amazing episode. So without further ado, uh, Anna Maria Price, I'm really delighted that you're actually on the show. So thank you so very much. It's a pleasure to be here and get the opportunity to share my story. Which it's I like. brilliant. I, all homeopath, I love all homeopaths. I love all students of homeopathy. I love uh, even a bar of soap if it was made from homeopathy. I'd love that too, you know. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Actually, that's an idea, isn't it, though? Mm. <laughs> so uh, you have a very interesting journey to homeopathy, which actually includes uh, a charity trek in the Himalayas. So mm -hmm. do share um, how that came about. That came about, it was 2007. And I imagine I was having one of those, probably a bit early midlife crisis. I'd <laughs> raised my three sons and I'm thinking, hmm. I seemed to need a challenge just to feel something really different. And um, so this leaflet came through the door saying uh, ActionAid, and I liked ActionAid, I already donated to that charity. What I liked about ActionAid was they use the people who are in the country, who live in the country, to run their, their shelters, to run their charity action. So they don't like import their charity workers. So um, that means that whenever there's a problem in the country and uh, people, many aid agencies are told to leave. Um, mm. If you said that to Action Aid in India, there wouldn't be anybody to leave because the people that run the charities there are all the local people or people who belong there. And I thought that was a really clever thing because it was so empowering. Um, anyway, so I liked Action Aid. This leaflet comes through the door. We always think life isn't planned out for us, but it is. And it said, um, charity trek, across the Himalayas to Dharamsala, which is up in the north, where the Dalai Lama is in refuge with the Tibetan people. And I thought, oh, yeah, I really fancy going up there and listening to the Dalai Lama speak. Um, and, uh, yeah, India, what, what, a, what a world apart from my world. So I floated it with the family. Uh, <laughs> can't mm -hmm. say it went down well. Um and off I went. I had a whole year of training because you had to trek in the Himalayas. And it, it wasn't it wasn't actually beyond the average healthy person, but it's very up and down. 
And um, so I trained in different places in the UK for a year beforehand, lots of preparation. We were going to be intense. And so, yeah, big stuff. Got to Heathrow Airport and um, went through customs, went through passport. And then as we're coming to board, I've got no passport. I couldn't find it anywhere. Hmm. Um, This is just leading into my stress that occurred. Um, And I couldn't find it anywhere. And everybody checked everywhere. So the other 14 people boarded the plane, 14 people I'd never met before that were on the trek, boarded the plane and left me sitting at the gate on my own. My bag was took off. And I just sat there wondering what this was all about. You know, I'd spent a year training. Was this a bad decision? My husband had taken two weeks off work, three weeks off work, the family. And then as I threw my coat down on my lap, I felt the square passport in the lining of my coat. Now, you know, when you come through customs and they're rushing you and you're pulling everything out of the tray, Hmm. as I put my passport in my hand down my coat, it had gone into the lining where there was a rip. I see. My hand had come out the other end and I hadn't even noticed my passport wasn't still in it because of the flurry of doing everything. So I felt it and I jumped up and I said to the girl, I'm getting on the plane. She said, you can't, your bag's off. I said, I don't care. I've got walking boots on me and that's all I need. And so I ran down the thing, got on the plane in a state of shock. Anyway, they put my bag back on. So I'm now in a very heightened emotional state. And I arrive in Delhi from Bishop Stortford at night. And it's an assault on the senses for me, like nothing else. I couldn't take in everything that I was seeing. Hmm. Um, so I arrive at the, that we were in a hotel for the first night and I am literally shaking from head to toe and I've never experienced anything like it. I couldn't control myself. And this girl who I was sharing the room with, whom I'd never met, said to me, you're, you're in shock. I'm going to give you some Arnica. I'm like, I don't know what on earth you're talking about. I'm 42 and I've never heard of homeopathy. Not a glimmer of it. Isn't that, I mean, I think that's incredible now when people will come in the store and they're like, homeopathy, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, I know that place. Never heard of it. So she said, I've got Arnica, I want you to take it. And I said, I'll take anything, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a mess. So she gave me this Arnica, I lay down in the bed and within about 15 minutes, I was so calm that I just thought she was some kind of miracle worker. So I'm like, what's this? And she's like, well, this is my homeopathic kit. I'm a homeopathic student. I said, okay, lovely. Well, I I don't know. don't know what that was. Then we went on the trek. And there she was with this blue, it was a Helios blue kit, actually, um, dealing with everyone. People who had um, diarrhea, out came the kit. They were better. I actually pulled a muscle. Well, I didn't pull a muscle. I don't know what I did. But I turned around with my leg one day with a heavy bag and something popped. And I sat down on the floor and I said, I can't walk today's trek because mm. I've, done the, I've done something. And she said, oh, hold on a minute. And she came with something else for me. I stood up 10 minutes later and I'm like, this is, she's, this is miracle stuff. So I was so at that point, I'm like, when I get home, the first thing I'm going to do is find out what homeopathy is. And then the trek continued. We went to Dharamsala. Uh, we had an amazing time. Um, the wonderful thing I'd say to anyone about doing um that kind of charity trek is you really feel the country you're not a tourist you're not on holiday we went to the Delhi street projects um we went around all the places that the locals might go 
Uh, we ate, we cooked en route. We, um, so it was very hand. I loved it. Uh, came straight home and I thought, I don't think there's going to even be a return on the search for this, but I'll try it. So I put homeopathy, uh, colleges. Hmm. And came Allen College, which was a 45-minute drive from my house. Um, fifth generation, Indian homeopathic college. So I'm thinking, there's no mistake here. So went for an interview and uh, started a four-year part-time course, which changed me as a person. Um, opened a whole world up to me of healing, of autonomy over our own well-being. Um, taught me huge amounts of how to be an unprejudiced observer, which obviously I'm not 100%, but it moved into my own personal life, those kind of learnings. Um, so I had a wonderful time there for four years, met homeopathic friends that I'm still in contact with now. Um, and I go back, Allen College is a good college in as much as it has every six to eight weeks a clinic, which is very busy. So homeopaths can come and get their clinic hours if their college doesn't provide it or if they just want to do post-grad. It's, it's a very busy college, so it's very good. So I stayed in contact with that. Um, but when I qualified, which was 2011, I booked myself on the 2012 um, trip to Calcutta to do the three weeks, nearly three weeks, um, in the rural clinics and the slum clinics. Amazing time. Teaching in the day. Um, once again, very real because we're staying in a college with the locals. I walked to college every day. It was about a half an hour walk through the streets. Very incredible place and um, learnt loads. And I learned at that point, you don't have to apologise for homeopathy. In this country, there's so much... Uh, sort of like we don't like to say we used homeopathy. We don't want to tell the vet we used it on our pet. We, you know, we don't want to say to the doctor when we go back and we're better, well, actually, I used homeopathy. There's all this, like, oh, I'll only have to explain or I'll have to say something. But when I went to Calcutta, we've just got our massive homeopathic cancer hospitals. We've got, and I'm like, wow, you can say that here. It was amazing. So, um, yeah, I, I wonderful time. And learning about pace-taking. I'd say one of the things that stuck with me dramatically about that observation of case-taking there was the emotional picture. You know, in the West, we seem to be much more emotionally aggravated. Um, mm. Or even maybe that's not the right way. I think about my parents who were Irish immigrants. They were from farms. The idea that you were happy or disappointed or was life good enough for you seemed to centre around, did we all have food? Do we have shelter? Uh, yeah, so actually around here, that's good. So there was no big questionings about emotional, but if you ask somebody in the rural clinics who were drinking fairly heavy arsenic water and very used to people in their families dying, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? <laughs> the kind of things we ask people here. What's your likes and dislikes? What's your food preferences? Sometimes they were like, mm, well, 
<laughs> we we eat whatever comes along and uh, we're very happy. We've got our children. None of our children have perished. So it's a bit of an eye opener in that way as well. I'm not discounting emotions, but I think you, if your basic needs aren't met, the emotions are not the uppermost thing. Um, it made the prescribing very interesting as well because you kind of had your three-legged stool more than realms and realms of notes. Mm. Just um, you know, there were people in the clinic. It's, it's cultural stuff to take on board. There were people in the clinic who were speaking on behalf of their wives, and their wives didn't know they'd had a hysterectomy because they didn't understand what had happened when they went to hospital. So the husband would be speaking. It was, it was shocking to, to the likes of me, um, but a wonderful teaching and a wonderful way of showing how you can make homeopathic case-taking a little bit clearer. I don't know what anybody else is like, but I can have a new patient and I can be there for two hours, two and a half hours. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying... I can go down too many rabbit holes. I can try and gather too much information and lose myself in the in the woods of all of that information. So it's very good for showing you how to stay focused on the things that the person has said that are actually important. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I loved, absolutely loved it. And I would love to maybe go back again. Um, they do a lovely thing on this trip that they do because it's intense. You have three or four days away somewhere lovely. So we had us, we took a small plane to Darjeeling. Thanks Ooh, tea. Nice tea. Mm, but the air is so clear there. It's, it's higher up and um, it's ridiculously colonial still. You know, it's got Gymkhana clubs and all sorts of cricket clubs. It's got very Englishy things from when the. Um, and then the in the in the English army and different things were stationed there, and it's got like a church, like St John's Church, you might see in Kent or somewhere. So it's a it's a very interesting, experience. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So yeah, that was my experience of going back to India in a very different context, but it kind of tied the bow because that's where my homeopathic journey began. Getting into Allen College and experiencing that there was just almost like. That was definitely the way it was going to be. And then going back and, yeah, got a lot of literature when I was there from different doctors because some pres prescribe purely in LMs. They're LM doctors. They don't touch any other. And obviously I was classic, well, not obviously, but I was classically trained, which brings me on to my Bachelor of Science degree at College of Homeopathic Education. Yeah, no, it's, you know, before you go there, I was just going to say to you that it's, it's, uh, I always say to people as a, as a joke that if you want to really learn to drive and you want to be a good driver, then go to places like India or Pakistan. And trust me, you'll know how to drive a car. You will be Formula One level because you have got cows and donkeys, mm -hmm. you've got people who really are not bothered. It's you who has to be in control and aware fully. No one is going to, and even as a pedestrian, actually, no one's going to break for you. That It doesn't work that way. But funnily enough, it works, that mm. chaos of driving and everything, mm. right? Yeah. And then when you look at homeopathy, 
I think you've had the best possible grounding that anyone could have because in India, homeopathic medicine and homeopathy is standard. Everybody grows up with it. Everybody mm -hmm. talks about it. Everybody knows about it. Everybody, not everybody, but a large, large majority, certainly maybe even all have used it at some point in their life. There are dispensaries and clinics and doctors at every corner of every street. And you can, like you said, you can sing homeopathy and you don't have to worry, oh, someone's going to say this or someone's going to ask. Everybody is on the same, literally on the same hymn sheet, right? As far as healthcare. Yeah. And they have different options. But to be involved and to be able to see so many patients on a day, like I know so many homeopathic doctors from India, friends of mine, some have been on the show as well. And they're seeing upwards to 100 patients a day. Now, here in the UK, you know that it's just not possible, okay? And nor does that ever happen. Mm -hmm. Just 10 patients a day sometimes is you, and you think, oh my God, 10 patients. Oh, that would be a lot. Mm. You know, but when you have 100, isn't that the best possible education? Because you're really in on the deep end and you've got to think, don't you? remedies modalities you've got to think constitutions you've got to think acutes and complex acutes and mm. and so many other things and it it um it molds you doesn't it and and your oh, yeah. your own uh skills then come out and and you can hone in and become your homeopath you know the one you mm -hmm. want to be is it because it's an art isn't it so oh absolutely and, and it's just amazing isn't it it's amazing and i i would so recommend that if anybody is at a stage in their homeopathic practice or journey where they feel a bit knocked back or they feel a bit discouraged or they've read the latest thing about what some people are saying about homeopathy or somebody's telling them not, you know, I know it might sound a little bit rich, but if there was any way they could get themselves on the Adam College trip in the sort of February, mm. it's a tonic. It's a tonic. It's, it's just like, yeah, I knew I was right about this. I knew this is a a healing art worth pursuing it's um I, I, yeah and so so much more we've we're just fed through a very tiny little slit of information in this country where you would get the impression oh that's been banned or that's been stopped because somebody's read something about it coming off the nhs or and uh, so i'd say yeah if you're ever despondent or maybe no, not you know maybe not um, India, even though I just think that's the mecca of homeopathy. Um, but you know anywhere where you can really be revitalised. George Vitulkus does a wonderful um, course on Alonisis in Greece. I mean, all these wonderful places you can go to the guys <laughs> staying there at your homeopathy. Um, wonderful. Um, his big college is there. And uh, he offers, uh, you know, two-week courses. I went on one of those to Alonisis. Um, and once again, you're just surrounded by homeopaths from all over the world uh, who choose to make this their holiday break. Hmm. You know, none of it's cheap, but that's their holiday. It was my holiday that year. Um, and sharing the experiences and hearing about how other countries are coping with, even if it's restrictions or what way around it or what can you draw upon, especially European things and that. So um, I just think if you feel at all isolated, you should reach out for somewhere that, and it could be much, much closer to home where you can just see there's so much health and um, awareness of homeopathy. 
and the community is mm. good, the homeopathic community is good. Um, and that propaganda is just is, is about all there is that's bringing it down. It's not what's happening on the ground. It's it's not. It's certainly not. I remember um, when I um, started off in homeopathy, I my uncle was uh, a homeopath in Kenya. And I went there and we I, I did a number of things there. And one of those was obviously um, shadowing him. And it was just amazing because there were the phone would ring, not, you know, continuously from morning to night. And this is the landline and then the mobile. And then every few minutes or certainly, you know, several times an hour, the bell would ring outside and there would be a patient. Mm. And juggling all that and seeing how he prescribed and how he practiced and remedies and um, that almost uh, beautifully free way of prescribing and being able to hone in on what the patient, what was wrong with him, just by observe, but just by observation. You mentioned um, that you can, you know, go down certain rabbit holes, but I actually think they're really, really important because mm. they paint a profile, and eventually, and I'm sure you're going to agree with this, but it comes that moment, that light bulb moment comes, and you think, ding, that's the remedy or remedies. It, the remedy or remedies come to mind, and you think, okay, it's that, it's that, it's that. And I, and I picked that up, but I always used to. I'm still, you know, amazed that that skill, isn't it? It takes so long to to mm. pick up. You have to see so many patients mm. over such a long period of time to be able to say, somebody walking through the door, that's mm. definitely Cal Carb, or that's Nat Mior, or that's mm -hmm. Pulsatilla, mm -hmm. and the first mm -hmm. sentence, and, and it proves that mm. they are. And yeah. That's, you know, to do with the way they sit, the mannerisms, the psyche, uh, mental, emotional, or it could just be an acute, right? Just physicals. Yeah, I think that um, when people come into the pharmacy and um, it's evident that what they need is a consult, you know, their psoriasis for 20 years is not something mm. I've got a combo out the back for, they will say to me, who, who should I choose? Well, we also have a clinic. And so we have a printed leaflet or it's on our website of people who hire our clinic, the practitioners. And I know most of them, if not all of them. And um, I always say, you start with the first one and you chat for 10 or 15 minutes and you work out whether that um, energy between you two, whether that uh, dialogue makes you feel like I want to talk to that person more. Because as far as I'm concerned, a homeopath is a detective. It's someone who's looking for clues, trying to speak to the symptom language of your body. And I always say to people, if you don't want to tell me your clues i will pick the wrong remedy so you know like when you ask people uh their likes or their dislikes or even their food preferences if you would prefer to eat sweets all day long don't tell me you like leafy green veg because you're going to get the wrong remedy so all, all i'm saying to people is when you speak to the the inquiry with a homeopath you've got to think hmm I want to sit down and talk to that homeopath. It doesn't matter whether they've been practicing 10 years or 30 years or two years. If you've got a rapport, then you'll be honest um, and they will be able to serve you better. Um, now, that's what I think in this environment. That's obviously not the case when you've got 45 people outside your door in a rural clinic somewhere. That's completely a different ball game. Um, but here, for sure, I think you've got to be feeling comfortable and willing to open up 
at least not everybody does it on the first um, console. And, you know, in that case, if I feel like somebody's really not opened up on the first or I can't really draw much out of them, it's a kind of, no, I'm not hot or cold, no. No, nah, poos are normal, you know, all the usual stuff that we go through. Um, then I'll think, okay, we're going to open the case with this medicine. We're going to start here because I'm not, I wouldn't say to them, I'm not sure, but I would sort of say, we're going to have to start somewhere here and we've got a limited picture mm. or a one-sided case or whatever. So I do think the rapport with your homeopath is the most important thing, not whether they've seen an awful lot of women with menopause or an awful lot of children or whatever. That's my my understanding anyway, and that's the kind of advice I would give to somebody trying to choose a homeopath. Also, if you can possibly see them in person, and this is just a preference. Most people worked on Zoom, thank goodness, throughout COVID. Otherwise, people wouldn't have had access, and lots mm. of people can't get out. But in my practice, I don't use Zoom. Um, I only see people in person in my own little consult room here in my house. Um, that's just the way I work better. It's the way I work better. So, um, yeah, I don't know how we got to that bit, but yeah, we're just talking about. No, it's. I think what you know what you've spoken about with case taking is is and the rapport is so very important. I um, I I just think that uh, as homeopaths, actually, it's a it's a reel I I shared just recently on on my Insta, which which is about the fact that any homeopath or healer becomes a custodian of the patient until the time of uh, their until the time that their dis-ease becomes ease and um it, it, it takes me actually to another point just uh, a few days ago i was talking to a patient and you know sometimes it takes a bit of time like you've mentioned and the the mother was present and 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 the, the patient himself and uh, there was this reservation so what I did, I said, okay, look, this is how homeopathy works within literally three minutes. And this is why it's so important to give certain symptoms. And by the end, you know, we were laughing and joking. And it worked really, really well. And I saw this transformation and I thought, wow, she feels better because she got half of it off her chest during yeah. this the last 30 minutes or whatever it was, 40 minutes, you know. And it's such a change, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's just need that... The homeopath has to be able to listen, mm -hmm. and not necessarily unless it's an obviously a, a homeopathy first aid or it's it's an acute, which is very dead simple and straightforward. Mm -hmm. Let's say, but generally, um, these cases are or majority of times are chronic, and and there's a lot of mental emotional baggage. But you can see how that mm -hmm. um, once it someone has spoken to someone else about it and they feel a, a, an element of trust, yeah, how they change. And 50% of the cure is there. That That's actually it. I totally agree. I totally agree that to give somebody an hour or two of your undivided, and when I say I'm prejudiced, I, I just mean like I'm not judging. I don't feel the need to judge whatever someone says because I'm focused on trying to get them to tell me their truth so I can be a better homeopath. Um, I think the energy of that space, the confidentiality, the... Um, the fact that they are not being judged, the fact that they can't actually say anything wrong so they can just speak freely. I'm completely with you. People will, I have had people leave and um, at about four weeks later when I check in and see how you're doing, you know, do you need a follow-up? Some people have said, I'm great, oh, but I didn't take the medicine. 
And mm. I'm, I'll, I'll say, you're great, I'm great. I, I don't care if they took the medicine or not. But so I know for sure that so much work is done in the sharing of that space where you actually listen to someone mm. and allow them to be who they are without having to think, how do I need to be in, in, in reaction with this person? Make no mistake, it's a real healing art. And I remember when the Science and Technology Commission, a committee thing in 2010 was discussing homeopathy. I actually think, I can't remember who it was now, which one of the politicians was saying that the PPR, the patient practitioner relationship was an essential aspect of the homeopathic practice. Hmm. Um, one would have imagined it should be of the doctor's practice, but we are led to believe now that doctors are too busy to have that patient practitioner relationship. So that's one of the, the things where I think it, it falls down a bit there, that there isn't a, a connection of some sort. Well, that's not a bad thing, right? Because that's where homeopathy, every system of medicine, and there are many, mm -hmm. has its own place. Mm -hmm. And this is, this maybe this is how it was always meant to be, that this mm -hmm. was the place for homeopathy where you can just listen. Mm. And you could give that opportunity. So if 10 people come with the same problem of, let's say, I don't know, high blood pressure, hypertension medically, let's mm. say, uh, it's it's always going to be different. It's never going to be the same. It yeah. never is. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, one thing is for sure, the medicine, it may be the conventional medicine may be the same. Mm -hmm. They're on 80 milligram of this and, and 10 of this or five or blah, blah, blah. But um the, the the cause and effect, you know, the etiology of it uh, is is totally different in every patient, mm. and it, that's the the art, isn't it? It's the the fine brush strokes, mm. isn't it? That you're mm. you're you're sort of um, painting, mm. you know, on the canvas, and you're thinking, okay, well, it, this is that color, and this mm. is this, and this is that, you know, and that's the remedy here, and that's sort of, and eventually you come to the totality of the remedies, you know, mm. and sometimes I'm sure this has happened to you so many times. You don't need to repertorize. You know the remedy, right? You think the material medical or the repertory rather might say it's that, but you think it's not because of what they said. And mm. and you've got to go with your gut as well. I'm, I'm a big believer of that. And it's never let me down, to be honest. No. So Now, yeah. George Vitilkus, who is a, a great, I mean, he's very old now, but he is a great. Um, he developed a um, light radar, a computerized repertory. I've never used one, um, but he developed one of his own. I can't remember the name of it now. But anyway, um, he made us laugh so much because he was giving a lecture and he was using his own system, computer system, <laughs> to repertorize this case. And he goes, so you can see it's come up with Cal Carb. I won't give that. <laughs> oh, what he meant was, brilliant. don't blindly just take it because yeah. I've written this thing. It's but it's not that. So this is a, um, a quantity-driven thing, a, re mm. a, a, a computerized repertory of numbers, but you have to put a qualitative yeah. element in there and use your brain. Yeah. Um, so it was just a funny moment because he had actually devised it and then I'm not going to go with what I've just put up there. But this is the humility as well of the greats where they're it's, not... It's so, so important. That's such a wonderful story because... If we become too bogged down, and I honestly mean this, uh, if we become too bogged down with just using a repertory, then how are we going to survive if we don't have the electronic version or the book version somewhere? 
and you know we've let's say we've volunteered in a clinic and we're not going to have a clue no part of the experience and learning and education is to know the remedies in your mind mm-hmm. and your mind is is intelligent enough to guide you as long as the intentions are pure and you know you want to get to the remedy i i found personally anyway that it works really well for me sometimes patients come and they said oh we've used a common remedy and this is what was given and we've been to several homeopaths and i said let me try something yeah and i just give whatever i think at that time based on on that patient and it works right i but, think that's, uh, the, the, it depends on your college but at allen college dr banerjee had swallowed borica's Materia America, mm. literally. And so he was, quotes, chapter and verse of that without looking at it. And so we were taught on Materia Medica. Um, yeah, we had repertories, but they were kind of like when you got stuck. Yeah. Not where you went to first. At least that's my take on it. And so I've never been brought up on a repertory. So um, they're there. And I sometimes will look when I've worked on my case and think, I wonder where that shows in the repertory. I wonder what it has to say about my choices as such. Um, <laughs> it doesn't agree. It doesn't put me off, but uh, it, it's there. It's in my, I have one. But um, usually it's uh, um, something comes. I mean, I know it all. I, I know that at times people can think, I mean, I was looking over Edward Batch in case you wanted to talk to him because, talk to him, talk about him because Nelson's has a huge, obviously, I'd love to talk to him. <laughs> so I, can't. I really and, would. And um, uh, what was I going to say? I don't know what I was going to say to you. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to say something about what. If he... there's some way that you can get in touch with him, though, yeah, I'll have a go. There are ways. <laughs> I've been to the batch centre. You'd feel you were in touch with him when you're wandering around all his home. He used to make his own furniture, so he'd like it was quite crude furniture, but he would make his own furniture. That's interesting. I did. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, his house is kept as it was, right? And uh, it's quite interesting because that was the nineteen thirty-ish, nineteen thirties, around that time, nineteen thirty-four. I think he moved there. What was interesting for me was looking at anywhere you needed to get a homeopathic remedy it had to be Nelson's. Hmm. Because so there'd be like volumes and volumes of remedies of course not all of them are in existence anymore because remedies can dry up and the, you know feeder bottle can disappear especially if they're remedies that have gone out of vogue so nobody's using them anymore um but for me as a homeopath that was quite an incredible thing but yeah i use batch as well so yeah which actually aptly takes us on to the batch flower remedies and the fact that you have studied them you are yeah. a batch flower practitioner yeah, yeah and for those who haven't actually picked up uh, Maria does work in Nelson's um, throughout the week, and um, we're going to go on to that as well. But uh, I wanted to ask you about the batch flower practitioner, um, being a batch flower practitioner rather, and how do you use those remedies alongside homeopathy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a little confusion sometimes about batch in as much as Edward Batch did the batch nosodes and was working in the homeopathic hospital. Um, but he didn't succuss. He stopped. He first of all thought he would prepare the batch essences in a homeopathic fashion, succussing and that. But he stopped that. So batch flower essences aren't prepared like a homeopathic remedy. So they're not homeopathic. 
um, even though lots of people think they are, and because Nelsons are the main supplier around the world of them, they they think that too. It's no problem thinking that, but they're not like they're not a homeopathic remedy in, in short. So for me, they dovetail lovely with uh, homeopathy, especially when you have a case, um, maybe more emotional, mental, but obviously showing with physical symptoms because nothing's it's all connected, um, and you're you know that you're prescription is going to start working on this this is not going to be an overnight job and you've explained this is going to take some time and we're going to be looking for which direction we're moving in but if you give that person who might be very overwhelmed with everything if you give them elm and you hand them a bottle of elm and they can take elm four drops on their tongue three times a day it's really good for an overwhelmed system someone who's normally quite competent but has just everything's become too much that will immediately start to work on their emotional sphere and it gives them something too. So, um, and they can take it alongside with that contraindicating my medicine or making me wonder which one's doing what. Uh, so I do love batch for that. Um, rescue remedy, as you know, worldwide, we sell rescue remedy um, and it it works. And rather like Edward, would say, you know, he intuited a lot of this. He then did experiment with his intuition and use it on people and have many clinical notes as to how it affected their emotional sphere. But for me, it's just another tool in, 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 my, in my toolbox, which doesn't hamper my homeopathy, gives the person something right there and then. Um, and I don't give it to everybody at all because that's, it's just if it's really needed. Hmm. Um, if people are in a really um, uh, state of no confidence or whatever, then to be able to hand them large and say, take this now daily, I'm going to work on your case. I'll send you your medicine in the week. Um, but you've got something here. Now you go. In a um, it's great. His initial thing was nosodes, the seven batch nosodes, because hmm. he believed that the intestines held the secret to not getting disease. So it was like the early vaccinations, as they called it. Where are we now? The microbiome. I've been to lectures in Cambridge University. The microbiome, that's where it's all at. Microbiome transfers to help people be free of disease. That's what Edward Batch was doing with his nosodes. Absolutely. So we're just walking. We haven't even begun with this frequency medicine. So... I just feel very excited about it all as you can it probably <laughs> It's very, very exciting. No, I can I can see that. And uh, for the listeners, of course, because we're recording the podcast and I know sadly you may just have the audio, but uh, there are reasons for that, of course. But uh, I can see Maria. Um we're on Zoom and uh, we're talking to one another and we're seeing one another. And I can see the passion and the sparkle there. And mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> it's very motivational indeed. But it's so true. And I, you know, what you've said about the understanding of homeopathy, I think this system of medicine is 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 infinite. It's always going to be around. It's going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And the, the cases that are presented nowadays and with what you've said about uh, intention and, you know, the way remedies work and, and how the mind itself works, how that itself can get you better is is so so true because 
if you think you're going to get sick and you think of it enough times, you do actually end up getting sick. Mm -hmm. If you think you can't do something, you can't do something. Mm -hmm. And yet there are days when you think, I'm going to do such and such. And my God, what a productive day that turns out to be, isn't it? So mm. what's that? What is that all? And, you know, we, we need to we need to sometimes take a step back and just have time for reflection and time to think and time to ponder. And then that usually leads to a better understanding and a better understanding usually leads to realization. Realization leads to acceptance, acceptance leads to success <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. like, like you said the old saying if you think you can or you can't you're right mm. um but um yeah i um i had my eyes opened more when i went to the college of homeopathic education i did a top-up degree just for a year on the back of the four-year um diploma because they were offering it and i just thought i'm trying to get a little bit ahead here in case the government or someone decides you have to have a degree to practice homeopathy if you're not mm. a doctor. So I did it for that reason. But it was good because it opened my eyes to the variety of ways in which people um, practice homeopathy mm. and the variety of methods because I was so classically trained. It opened my eyes that, hey, there's a hell of a lot of people going on doing stuff here. And it led me to read the lesser writings of Hahnemann, which was so interesting because Hahnemann was a complete experimenter. And... We could call him, Dr. Banerjee will probably tell me off about this now when he comes on, but we could call him dead classical Hahnemann, and he was, and the Organon is classical. But when you read him and you look at the, when they finally could publish his case notes and things which were kept hidden for so long, he was trial and error. And if he was a, an infinite living man, who knows what he might be? delving into now homeopathy definitely he definitely meant it to be something that we kept we kept reviewing we kept developing we kept testing trying what about this so much as i have my bedrock of classical training um i i i am more intuitive in what else i might do with that i don't get myself in trouble <laughs> I think I, I think you have to be very open-minded. I, I speak to so many, as you as you know, so many homeopaths around the world. Many have been on the show. Many have just become friends. And everybody has different styles. Even within the classical approach, mm. people have a, a way. They have their own way. So that's actually the beauty of homeopathy because... It's versatile, it's flexible, it's adaptable, it's it's modern, it's hip, it's current, it's um you can mold it according to how you want to be a practitioner. And you know, in a modern society, in a modern world, a technologically advanced world, but a highly diseased world, there's nothing wrong with that because yeah. the goal is still the same. Every yeah. single homeopath is committed to one thing Absolutely. to get the patient better. Exactly. You know? And so, you know, if somebody says to me, oh, I use this method or that method, but it works well for me. I'm hallelujah. <laughs> absolutely. It, it is what, what we want to hear. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. No worries there. And working in Nelson's means I see lots and lots of prescriptions and lots and lots of people coming in doing their own stuff. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to try this. Can you do this? I said, I can dispense anything you want. I can't mm. guarantee that's what you need because I haven't had a consult with you. But, um yeah. So, and the wonderful thing is they can try it. 
They yeah. don't have to worry that, oh dear, I've taken too many or I take, they can try it and it will, it will serve them well, or it won't do exactly what they need because it's a guess, but um, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful, empowering thing. It, it It is, you know, that is the key, isn't it? It's about empowerment. And you mentioned this at the beginning as well um, about being able to um manage your health care within a certain degree of course let's be realistic but mm -hmm. in the majority of cases so for example just like you and, and many others when anyone in my family becomes sick including myself mm -hmm. i know where the remedies are and the, there's that element of fear or that worry or the time of oh my god i must call a doctor it's gone it doesn't even register anymore it's like okay well these are the remedies take these uh this is the protocol Mm -hmm. and off you go and, and everything's fine and dandy afterwards you know and Absolutely. it makes life so much easier doesn't it and it it also makes life very productive because you're not wasting time on fretting if want of a better word over something that is not that difficult to treat within homeopathy mm -hmm. for example so a common cold majority of people or a sore throat run to the doctor or the pharmacy and over-the-counter stuff and blah 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 and yet you know there's certain remedies and you take those and it's done and you carry on with your life right mm, you um, do and you don't bypass things that's what i like about homeopathy uh i do believe that the body needs to have a clear out every now and again i do believe no matter how clean you try to be we live mm. in quite a toxic environment especially in cities and, and all the rest uh, and the body needs to have a little, hang on a minute, I need to stop and have a clear out here, especially yeah. if you're not sleeping well and things like this. Um, but what I believe homeopathy does is it just gets behind that process and makes it effective and works it through and doesn't um, allow it to dally so that your sinuses become full of bacteria and infected. It, it gets behind it. And that's one other thing that I heard said once, it's not attributed to me, but I, it was, I thought, quite amazing was I always say I say the body doesn't engage in idle chatter so if it's telling you something if it has a symptom it just wants you to listen to it because normally it just gets on and you don't know it's even doing all these processes mm. um but somebody once said this the, the the kind of medicine pharmaceutical even if you like or even I don't know really maybe med medicine training is kind of you see a symptom as a problem it is a feature of a disease. Whereas homeopathically, we should see a symptom as the language of what the body's trying to do to rectify the situation. So it's not against you. You're not fighting it. At this moment in time, because of a situation that's occurred in my body, inflammation is occurring in my bowel, just say. This is the body's way of trying to maybe remove the said thing that's causing the problem or so that the body's trying its best to actually alleviate the problem. But if it's struggling due to um, low immunity or the environment or lack of resources within its own makeup, then it won't do the job very well, but it's still trying to do the job. So a disease hasn't hijacked my body. My body symptom is my body saying, hang on a minute, got a problem here. I'm doing this to try to rectify it. Can you help me? Which is so I see. That's why homeopathy matches the symptom picture because it says, ah, we'll get behind that symptom. Um, and we'll help it do that properly. Mm. 
um, which I just thought was wow, which is why doctors who become homeopaths who or who are homeopaths have often said, and I've been at many conferences where they've said, sometimes they have to take their head off and put it on upside down when they're doing homeopathy because it's kind of not the way that medically they've been trained to, mm. that the disease is something anti to me. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm, absolutely. Um, and I thought, yes. The symptom, I believe your body is always on your side. It, it It's a lifesaver because if we were, let's say we we did become sick and there were no symptoms, wow, that would be a bad place to be in because mm -hmm. we wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. we'd, we'd die, wouldn't we? Because we wouldn't know. Yeah, and... but we don't want to suppress that symptom. Mm. We don't want to say, okay, we can hear you shouting from your gut lining, but I'm going to give you something where you can't feel it anymore. Because, you know, I always say that's just putting tape on a crying baby's mouth. It's still occurring. Mm. Um, whereas we'll say, right, let's match that symptom. Uh, Anna, you'll be surprised to know that we are out of time. That's, that has been a fascinating conversation, and I have so much to ask you. So I am going to ask you uh, to come back. I'd love to come back. So that we, can, we can finish the first part of the conversation. We, the second part was actually going to be me inviting you back for to talk a bit more about something else, but uh, I think we need to cover this. There's so much more that we need to talk about and so many questions I have for you. Uh, but uh, for now, it's um, until until part two. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, we could probably have a trilogy of these. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? You're telling uh, me I talk too much now. <laughs> no, no, it's been fascinating, I think. It's been really, really good. Uh, a oh, very good you. insight Pleasure. and uh, a wonderful conversation, of course. Thank you. That was lovely. Thanks very it's, much. Uh, it's really delight delighted. I am still delighted to have you on the podcast. And uh, I will uh, speak to you very, very soon. It was a pleasure, Atik, and I hope you feel so much better later. Thank you. I do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Homeopathy Health Show. Please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials. Remember, the more exposure the podcast receives, the better for homeopathy around the world. You can find me on Instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at like treats like. So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab. Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far. And of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile, tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.